Welcome to the club! This is a show dedicated to helping singers and songwriters and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Leverage is a strategic advantage. It's the power to act effectively. Why? Because they need you just as much as you need them. Or maybe they need you more than you need them. That's how you change the balance of power and get what you need. And that's what you're going to have to have to be successful in the new music industry. If you're a songwriter, if you're an artist, if you're a singer, you need to have leverage. That's what's going to get you the record deal now. It's not going to be your talent. That's what's going to get you the management. It's not going to be your talent. That's what's going to get you the booking agency, the publishing deal. Not going to be your talent. It's going to have to be some leverage. That's why we called it the Climb, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. And mm-hmm. my good boy, Brent, my good friend, Brent Baxter, he's the one who came up with that. He's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And Brent helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how to write like a pro, how to do business like a pro. And not only that, he actually connects you to the pros on a regular basis. He gets you a shot. You can find Brent at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. Daredevil has created over 25 national TV opportunities for their indie artists by making them discoverable. They've also created multiple tour opportunities and through the power of digital marketing data, they've attracted a number of investors for their artists. Now, investors are the money people and investors like numbers because numbers don't lie. You can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com this that's production singular no s and there's no s because there is no other johnny d and apparently there's no other cup of coffee because man i really need a refill <laughs> mine's Here. tasty i just had a drink how you doing brother good to the last drop there it goes bye bye i'll miss you coffee i'm doing all right i'm just a little loopy from not sleeping a whole lot um but all the uh, coffee you drink or do what was it because all the coffee you drink <laughs> no i'm fortunate that was just my first cup i'm switching to water i need to hydrate too i don't drink yeah. enough water there you go. Nobody does. <clears throat> what are so, we going to learn today? We're going to learn about uh, code breaking. Ooh. And each genre of music has its own kind of secret code. And we're going to talk about whether or not you're a code breaker. Love it. Mystery, yes. Uh, before we get to that, let's take care of a little business here. The mm-hmm. Climb Podcast is proud to partner with disc makers who have been supporting indie musicians before indie music was even a thing. They support songwriters too. You got to put that. Uh, you got to put that work on a CD, boy. They've been doing it for you. Mm-hmm. To get you that publishing deal. When you're ready to make CDs, DVDs, vinyl, or distribute your music and videos with customized USBs, go to discmakers.com. D-I-S-C-M-A-K-E-R-S. Discmakers.com is the only place you need to go. And while you're there, you can click on the guides and resources tab and download some of their excellent free guides. They've just revised and expanded their home studio handbook, which has a ton of great advice and information for newbies and studio veterans. Again, you can find them online at www.discmakers.com or give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. Yes, and hey, join the Climb community if you haven't done so already. A little personal business here. It's a killer community. There's lots of questions going back and forth and people getting answers that are helping them move forward and, and, and go to where they need to go. Additionally, subscribe. Yeah. Subscribe to the darn podcast if you like it. Save Get a few calories. Save a few brains calories. You know, you don't have yeah. to think about is it Tuesday, is it Friday? Do I need to go find the climb? Do I no, yeah. it just shows up it just your shows up. player on your phone. 
Yeah, put the notification there. You got a new one. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. I like that. And take 30 seconds, leave a five-star rating and review. That lets other people know that we're legit. Mm-hmm. And the best compliment, Brent, will be what? Say I have nice summer legs. No, it is tell a friend. Yeah. Tell Share a friend it. about us. If someone you think this podcast can help is relevant and personal to, let them know. If they're on their own climb, let them know about some Sherpas you know. There you go. We can yeah. help you out. We got the tools. So, that said, what the... What about this code stuff? Yes. So here's the deal. I'm a pretty good country lyricist. You know, I've gotten several cuts and I've had a hit or two on the radio and my wall has some cool stuff on it. But Uh how much does that mean when I'm writing for a non-country genre? Not much. Not much at all. Might work against you. It could. Yeah, it can. And why is that? Well, it's not because I'm not known or respected or connected in the other genres. It's not really, it doesn't really have anything to do with that. So how can someone be really good and have some success in one genre, but completely miss the mark in another? That's what we're going to dive into today. Cool. Yes. We're going to, you know, basically cross training, right? Jumping, jumping lanes. Yes. So you may be a songwriter on your climb and may mainly, you know, you write country, but you're like, you know, let me write some pop. Let me write some blues, R and B, hip hop, gospel, bluegrass, Southern gospel, whatever, you know, all these different lanes. We're going to talk about some of the some of the challenges and pitfalls of doing that you may not even be aware of. All right. Uh, yeah, because each genre has its own language, even if they all sing in English. <laughs> you know, they have their own. They have their own language. They have their own code. And as a matter of fact, that's what what makes it so tricky to jump from one genre to another. And I say genre, but it may even be you know subgenres and stuff within that. But I'm just going to use genre as a overall term, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, your song may sound to you like a hit for that other genre, but have you really cracked the code of that genre? Um, and that's the thing. They each have their own code. And just because you've cracked the code in your main genre, like, you know, I've hopefully kind of cracked the code of country, you know, at least to an extent, right? It's natural to think that things operate the same way across the street, you know, on the pop side of the street or the gospel side of the street, but they don't. So I'm going to tell you all a story, okay? Use, use a personal example that, that I'm dealing with lately, which is why I've been thinking about this because it's something I've been encountering more and more. So most of my cuts and vast majority of my songs have been country. So mm-hmm. that's what I do. That's what I know. That's my wheelhouse, right? That's what I'm, I've kind of cracked the code. This is how you write a country song. Doesn't mean all my songs are hits or, or great, but I know what I'm talking about. I know how to talk, the country yeah. talk, right? Yeah. All right, so I've recently I've started writing with a couple of pros in the like gospel, uh, CCM and Southern gospel markets, mm. and together they've had a ton of number one singles in those worlds, specifically like Southern gospel and stuff. And it's just because a, a buddy of mine it kind of came through personal relationships, a good buddy of mine, uh, Jason Cox, that sure. you met before we wrote uh, Last First Kiss with Neil Schuyler together, yeah, which I know you like right. that. So I wrote that with Jason. So I've known him for a long time. I mean, over ten years now. And uh, kind of lost track of each other. And, and he went, he's gone and he's making hay in the Southern gospel world and gospel and stuff, having number ones and, and doing really well. Good for him. Yeah, man. And he's a great dude. So I reconnect with him and he, and he writes with another writer, Kenna West, who I've had on as a guest on the Know the Row uh, event in Freddie. And, and so she's had like 30 something number ones in that world. Jeez. Just kill it. Nice. Killing it. Yeah. And so I've been blessed through relationships and I have my own cred. It's not cred in their world. 
but I have my own cred and I bring that in. So now the three of us have been riding together some and that's been fun. But here's kind of what I'm thinking. You know, I'm thinking, well, you know, I love Jesus, you know, Jesus loves me and this I know, (laughs) but, and also I'm from Arkansas. All right. So I got my country cred and I think I write a pretty good lyric, you know, pretty good country song. So surely I should be able to write some Southern gospel number ones with my eyes closed. Right. Well, is this like the South Park episode? I don't know. Where Cartman starts like a like a like a Christian rock band. Oh, I'm scared. And they're like, you don't know anything how to write Christmas. He's like, yes, I do. You just take whatever songs are on the radio now and pop. And whenever they say baby, you put in Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> they make a whole rock record. That's and then funny. He, and, then he, uh, and they win a Murr Award because it's like the Christian uh, yeah, he's thinking he's gonna get a gold record, but he get a Murr Award. He's Mur. like, "What's Murr?" He's like, "Jesus Christ!" That's, That's in front of a crowd of people like Christians. It's hysterical. And they're like, is, "Does he mean that in a good way?" Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't make any Franken sense. Um, so I wonder it would be gold, Murr, then platinum. But anyway, so I, yeah, I I'm thinking. Okay, I love Jesus. I'm from Arkansas. I. I can put together a lyric, especially in country music. So surely I can write some Southern gospels, you know, with my peeps, right? Wrong. That doesn't mean I can do that automatically. So, because, and, and I knew this going into it, but each world has its own set of artists, each genre, each subgenre has its own set of artists. And each of those artists know what they want to say. And each of those artists know what they don't want to say. They have a different audience in the country market, saying this Southern gospel, they have a different audience in the, country markets not all the same people right and that audience they know what they want to hear from their artists and they know what they don't want to hear from their artists and mm-hmm. i don't listen to a lot of southern gospel i'm starting to more almost as research i mean i grew up singing here in southern gospel and singing the baptist hymn i still i bought a copy of the baptist hymnal that i keep because i just love some of those songs and i'll go through and i'll read them and it just takes me back so i have i know some of that stuff but i'm not up on who's doing what now. And I know that. But uh, speaking of like how they, just because you know how to write doesn't mean you can write in a different genre. I'll, g- I'll give you a little example. So we were working on this song with Jason and Kenna. And it's funny because part of it blows my mind because there'll be titles that I'm like, surely that's been done. It's like, no, it hasn't. I'm like, how could that not be done? No way. It seems really? like, to me, like a no brainer. Like there's got to be like 85 of these that have charted with this title because it seems to me so obvious. Like, <laughs> no, it hasn't. Like, that's amazing and kind of scary. <laughs> Great. So I see all this blue ocean in front of me, you know? Yeah. And because I come at it from a different perspective. So that's, that's a value add, which is part of the reason they like having me in the room. Mm-hmm. But also, so we were writing this song. I threw out this line about like, I'm not as bad as I would. Uh, sorry, not as bad as I was, but not as good as I'm going to get. Blah, 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 blah. Which is, you know, if that were a country song, that'd be like, all right. You know, just about how this person is progressing, right? We call it <laughs> sanctification, but becoming more like Jesus, but how this person is growing as a person. Not mm-hmm. as bad as I was, but I'm not as good as I'm going to get. I mean, heck, there, you know, Tim McGraw songs has a similar kind of tag. Right, you know? I might be a real bad boy, but baby, I'm, I'm a real good man. man. And so I threw that as a line in there. Not as the hook. Kenna was like, you know what? And we, they liked it, but then Kenna came back. She's like, I don't think we can say that. I'm like, why not? Like, it's pretty, that's pretty, like, right down the middle, pretty. Wait a vanilla. second. Stop for one second. What? 
I feel like in this dynamic, you're me. Oh, it's it's so awesome because I'm like the bad boy. <laughs> you're the edgy it's guy. So, I know, but like, you're edgy. Just rack off the coolness like 5%. Oh my gosh, really? I've never been in this position before. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, you're like you're like a devout Christian. I mean, I know, but it can be you're, like you're the, the black sheep in this family. I, am. I can be a little. They're like, you know what? Like in this example, I'm not as bad as I was, but I'm not as good as I'm gonna get. What was like, the line? Okay, so here's the deal. Like this is this example. I'm not as bad as I was, but I'm not as good as I'm gonna get. Was the line that I threw out there, and they liked it, and it, it fit. It made sense. It's it's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And eventually, it's like you know, we can't. I don't think we can say that. Why? You know, because to me, again, it sounds pretty vanilla. It's pretty safe. Like nothing red flag for me, but I have right. country ears. She's like, mama so-and-so is not going to sing that, <laughs> you know, because blue hair ladies in the front row are going to be like, oh, you struggle? Oh, n- not as bad as, not as good as you're going to get. Not as bad as I was. How bad were you? It's a judgmental thing. Oh, um, cut the crap. Some of that really? audience. Do what? Really? Of some of that audience. And so an, an artist knows their audience, right? Yeah. And Ken and Jason, they know that audience. Oh, and wow. That, that could be like a, land, a potential landmine because some people just may be like, oh, well, bad as you were, how bad were you? You know, <laughs> some people don't want to talk about. <laughs> Isn't the, that special? <laughs> it, exactly. It's the church lady thing. There's, for the type of song we're writing, for that type of artist, you don't want to go there. You're just like glory to glory, right? We're not worried about it. Just a different things that you can say that you can't say in certain artists and genres, maybe some other artists in that world, but could say that and be okay. But for this place where we were looking to pitch it, where it was going, they know that they know those type of artists and they know that type of audience and that it would be a lamb. going, Hmm. That could that could shake so is this lady kind of genre specific or or is this like genre and artist specific? Like maybe you could have more leash with another artist in this genre. Possibly so. Yeah, I think you could was, with a different artist because you know, like any genre, it's a spectrum. There's some things that George Strait's not going to say that Florida Georgia Line would be fine with saying. Sure. So yeah. yeah, so it's a mix of those things. But I don't know the code because I'm I'm fresh off. You know, I just fell off the turnip truck. I love Jesus, yeah. and I'm from Arkansas, but that doesn't mean I can ride. I can I just walk, waltz into <laughs> yeah, and that doesn't mean I can just waltz into this this genre that I'm not familiar with. I haven't done all the hours and hours and hours of studying, living it, breathing it, knowing those people, and do, studying that stuff like I have in country to be able to say, well, uh, I think that's a red flag because to that's me right. it seems completely harmless because it's just true, right? Yeah, but it's like I don't think we can say that. So we had to find another thing that still spoke to the still on target and interesting, but didn't trip those potential triggers. And to me, that was just an example. Like, wow, okay, okay, well, I'm taking your word for it because you understand this market. I don't. You cracked the code. You got thirty something number ones. I'm not going to argue with you, <laughs> you know. And so I had to know enough to know that I don't know enough. And so basically, I've turned to my co-writers and that, and I write with some other Southern gospel people too, and when we're writing that stuff, uh, I'm like, okay, guys, I'm, I just kind of preference. I'm just here to put the lyrical hammer down. Y'all got to keep me from running us off the road because I don't have a filter, or at least even though I do, my filter, you know, catches boulders. We need a filter that's going to catch baseballs. 
Yeah, it's just well, it's a, it's a different. It, it's a it's it's foreign to you, like it the, is. Where the but you don't know where the bodies are buried yet. Exactly, I don't know where the landmines are. Yeah, and like I said, again, even though I'm from Arkansas and I love Jesus, doesn't mean I automatically speak that language. Even though I speak a lot of that language, I still speak it a little differently because I come at it from more of a country songwriter point of view, which is in some ways a strength because I bring a different viewpoint to it. And so you can bring an edge as much edge as you can bring. You can bring it. Yeah. And, but then they can help me go ah, a little too far, rein that in. Oh, that's great. But let's find a way to say it that's acceptable because they let's fit it into the code. And so I'm not going to go in there, just tap dancing on landmines and sure. blow up. You know, like, oh, that's cool. Never going to get cut. That didn't really do us much good. Uh, and that's how it's gone. And it's so funny because the general population may know the artists who've cut my songs more so than the artists who've cut some of their songs. It's just as far as brand names, Lady Annabellum. Alan Jackson, George, just bigger brand names than some mm-hmm. of these in that world. But again, that doesn't mean anything when I sit out to write something for their market. I'm in their house. I need to know what the rules are for that house. And that's going to make it better. So they're the experts. They're the code breakers. And I'm the novice, even though I've written songs for years and years. And I certainly have skills to apply and value to bring, but it needs to be focused in the right way and in a way that fits like this particular gospel market or the southern gospel market so i just want to i want to bring that out and and use some of my experience to help you think about because it can be easy to go i'm a writer i write anything and maybe you can but you also need to put in some of the time to and realize and just realize that there is another code there it's a culture it's another culture culture it's a code it's like you know you call a call center Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hello, my name is Jeremy, and I'm here. <laughs> How did I help you? You're like, wait a second. My name is they call me Bob. <laughs> Hello, my name is Bob. <laughs> I know your you? name is not Bob. <laughs> your name is not Bob, and you're not from around here, are you, Bob? What are you doing at my McDonald's speaker? You know, yeah. <laughs> or it's, you just like you're using English words, but something's different. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I got a dialect I bring to, to my writing. Just don't take it for granted. Now, for myself, it's fun to stretch myself by writing for a different genre, but it's also humbling and challenging. Like, you know, will these songs I'm writing with Jason and Kenan, some of these other people, will they get cut? I don't know. You know, it's still a fairly new relationship. I feel like they have a chance to. They've demoed some of them. They're pitching them around, and they don't get cut. It probably says more about me than it does about them because they're the ones with all the hits in that world. But they keep bringing me back in the room, so hopefully I'm not wasting their time. I just want to encourage you guys that when you approach different genres, approach them with respect and humility, really. Because the people who are successful in those genres definitely respect those genres and they take them seriously and they take the time, like you said, to learn the culture and they put in the work to crack the code, to learn the rules and to write songs that kind of fit that. I think it's for a songwriter to assume that skills in one genre easily translate to another one is just foolishness. It's so, so I got some comparisons to that. Yeah, man. There are cultures in the middle East where if you sit down and show somebody the bottom of your shoe, major offensive thing that you mm-hmm. can do i mean it's like you know one step above raping their daughter in front of them it's terrible mm-hmm. right yeah. i know from being in the electronics industry when i would meet japanese businessmen mm-hmm. when you hand them a business card it's rude to and very american right to hand mm-hmm. a business card the way i would hand it to you or to another american like here here's one hand this is my card oh thanks I'm handing them a business card. I think I can help you out. Maybe we can do business. Maybe we can help each other. That's in America. You get, one hand, you give it to them. It's good. Yeah, it's, it ain't that heavy. It's exactly. <laughs> All right. I, but I in Japan, it's disrespectful to hand a business card without having two hands on the card. Mm-hmm. And you, you put it forth with both hands. It's a, I think it's a sign maybe of humility mm-hmm. on the giver's part. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, please accept this from, from me kind of thing. But you learn to, to do that. And then now you're in, right? You're just, they, they mm-hmm. even if you're awkward about it, they see you trying to do it. And it's, All right. and it's cool. I, I don't speak in any way, shape or form fluent Spanish. But when I was doing, when I was in the electronics industry, I used to have to do demonstrations for the, all the major electronics corporations have massive manufacturing plants just on the other side of the American border in mm. Mexico. Yeah. Calexico and all the way up, up, up the border into um, Tijuana. So it's weird because it's a third world country that you mm-hmm. drive into. And then all of a sudden it's American paradise. There's paved roads with curbs, like uh. cement curbs and, yeah. and, and, and drainage and, and, uh, street lamps mm-hmm. and, stuff like that. And, and you're in this industrial park, but you go in and then I would try to do the presentation in Spanish and mm-hmm. I would stumble left and right. And I would make it funny, but yeah. they loved me because I just was trying to reach in and to get to know their culture, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that to your credit, if you're a songwriter and number one, you got to be aware, like to, what was the word that you use? You knew enough to know that you didn't know. I knew enough to know. I didn't know enough. Yeah, there you go. So, so knowing that one of the reasons you keep getting asked back in that room is because you are cognizant of that Mm -hmm. and you're you're trying to find, you're, you're curious and interested where the bodies are buried. So I think assimilating to that culture and and making that effort goes a long way too, like uh, to, to, to creating the relationships that you need in your case to get the cut. Yeah. And you know, I respect the, I respect the genre and I definitely respect the subject matter. I just know I don't, know it well enough and so i'm not coming in there going well 
I've had this, this, and this. Of course, they've had way more hits in their genre than I've had in mine. But even though my genre is bigger, you know, you just don't, you got to leave all that stuff at the door Mm -hmm. and go, okay, what's the goal? You're the expert here. I'm just here to, again, put the hammer down and I'm just here to bring me because that's what you don't already have. They're killing it on their own. But that's, you know, that's a reason why it's a great way to learn because you're, you're sitting at the feet of people that are killing it and doing really well in their genre. And I think that's one thing too is, you know, I've written some songs with other country writers that are kind of more gospely, but, you know, we've not had that stuff cut. For one thing, we don't have the infrastructure. Most country publishers aren't well-versed in going, oh, well, you know what, we can get this cut over in with, you yeah, know, the, you need the relationship. And the Quartet Five, they aren't aware of that. It's, they just have a different business model. They don't have their relationships. And so I was like, I could write some of that stuff with country writers, but one thing, we're probably going to put some step on a few landmines and not even know it. And then what are we going to do with it? I don't know. I don't know people in that world to go pitch it, you know? So I'm not really interested in trying to write that stuff with people that aren't already doing it. And that's a luxury that I have. Uh Granted, just because of the time I put in. So it makes the transition easier because of the credibility I've built up for years of writing songs and relationships. And now I know people in that world that have publishing deals and get cuts in that world. So I can kind of jump on in, even though I don't have credibility in that world. I've gotten like one cut probably in that world, you know, but I can bring to the other credibility. So that's something you can bring too. And it's, it's also like, you know, every, every athlete wants to be a rock star. Every rock star wants to be an athlete kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's maybe something you can leverage. Yeah. How much like pop and hip hop crossover. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover, mm-hmm. right? So if you have any kind of country success, that may be kind of cool and appealing to people that write more Southern gospel. Like, yeah, let's write some country stuff. Okay. But we got to, write some Southern gospel stuff too. And you play on each other side of the street and that can be fun. So you can give and take as well. Mm -hmm. So that may be a a way to leverage some of that stuff to get you in the rooms with people that know what they're doing and, and learn that. I mean, cause it would take me a whole, I mean, it really increases your learning curve, speeds it up uh, versus if if I were just doing all that study myself and trying to figure out that code myself, man, get, get in with somebody that's already cracking that code. Yeah. Best advice and approach with humility. Because well, I want to touch on a couple of things. So I just did a bunch of song demos for a client this past weekend. The next question they had was like, okay, what do we do now with the, when we get the mixes, what are we going to do with these? Mm-hmm. So I bring them back to, we got to start developing relationships. Now you have something that says I'm professional. I'm taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. I think I've got some good songs, or at least I think I'm a good songwriter and I can grow from there. Mm-hmm. And here it is, right? It, it shows you're professional because you have a professional recording of it. But the next step is still relationships. And so I think it's what I wanted to just remind people that just listen to what you just said. Is that here you're talking about a different genre. And while you've got the connections and the relationships and everything in country, you, you, the word you used was infrastructure. You don't have all those relationships in in gospel or in, right. in the CCM. So you got to be aware of that. So now what are you doing? You're actively trying to build those through other co-writes mm-hmm. and, and, and infiltrate into that way. But that's the way he's doing is through relationships. Yeah. So it still requires relationships. Like even though you're, you're working with these songwriters, you're aware that that's one thing that you're lacking in this particular arena. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Step one, you know, be a songwriter, actively work on your craft and, and get a couple good songs, right? Step two, yeah. 
You're going to need some recordings of those songs one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Step three, now start going out and building relationships, get in front of new eyeballs and people that are in the business and, and trying to interact with them and talk about maybe what kind of value you could bring to it, but, but get some friends. I mean, that's what we got to do. Yeah. And, and I'm very cognizant of kind of what value I bring. Like for say Jason and Kenna, uh, the value they bring is obvious. They're well-versed in their genre. They're very successful. They have connections. They each have a publisher. They're getting cuts and they have their relationships. Like Kenna knows all those artists grew up with them. Cause she's grew up around Nashville in the music business and all that stuff. So that's obvious value. And for me, hopefully the value I bring in is, yeah, good hang, different energy because they write like every Thursday. So bringing in a mix up, but also just bringing a perspective and a lyrical sensibility that they don't already have. I'm bringing that outsider's, a little bit of an outsider's perspective. And so that's hopefully part of why I keep getting in the room. And then, you know, we all get along really well and it's a good hang. Like I said, I've known Jason for over 10 years, getting to know Ken and she's awesome. And so it's a good hang. I bring something, I just bring a different perspective on things that <clears throat> yeah. they wouldn't normally think of because they swim in those water all the time. You know, fish don't know what's wet a little bit and they're great at it and they kill it. But that's the value I bring is something different, a different spice to the recipe. And then they know where the customers are. I love that. Yeah. So, um, I know maybe start winding. Do you have something else you want to add? I just was going to say, this is sort of a loose correlation, but I, I, I'm always trying to encourage people to, to, to write again. This is just bringing up conversations I had this past weekend with this, with this songwriter that you know, we did a bunch of song demos for her. She's asked me what to do next. And I'm like, well, go forth out into the world, into your market, find out where the songwriters are, find out where the artists are right there and just start making some, get, get on that scene. Mm-hmm. Because she writes beautiful melodies. She's got some good lyrics. She's worthy to be in the room. I mean, she is. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like, go, you know, but you got to go make that, that relationship and go and do that. But for you, I kind of like one of the things I'm hearing is how they're bringing this outside force who's decidedly not under the same tent that they're under mm-hmm. and bringing you in for a reason, right? To provide a little bit of that freshness, a little bit of that edge, a different perspective on it. And that's how some really, really good art is made. A couple mm-hmm. episodes ago, we were talking about the David Lee Roth interview where he talked about all the different places that Van Halen would play anywhere and everywhere. And mm-hmm. how the beginning of Jamie's crying was like the rumba, you know, yeah. and how they haven't like an upbeat, song with a really terrible lyric. Sammy Hager is all about love. And he's when he was in Van Halen and David's always like, I ain't talking about love. You know, right, go ahead yeah. and jump. Like he's just got a more sort of sarcastic sort of point of view on it. But they had all these different influences that they brought in and it shaped them and made them interesting and different than everybody else. So I just would encourage songwriters out there who to to not be afraid to to just try to intermingle and get to know all the writers. Mm-hmm. What happens when a country writer gets together with a pop writer? Yeah. Um, stuff happens. Crazy stuff happens. I mean, Michael Garvin's a friend of mine. He wrote Waiting for Tonight for Jennifer Lopez. I mean, 30 mm-hmm. million records sold. That's ridiculous, right? Yeah. And he does country too. Like, he, he can go back and forth between the two and, and make that happen because he knows those codes like you're talking about. But it mm-hmm. also creates for some interesting stuff because you bring that flavor Right. from these other arenas into the mix and sort of it creates a different spice in the soup that all of a sudden becomes fresh and you're like, Ooh, 
I like this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting codes like the quartet Southern gospel stuff is very, what we call horizontal. Like in, in Christian music, there's like vertical, which is like you're singing and you're addressing God, right? You are uh-huh. holy. You're wonderful. And then there's like ver- the horizontal, which is your congregational, like God is holy and, and we're blessed that he loves us. People uh, like us love God. Yeah, exactly. We're kind of talking about God. It's us and we have our struggles, but you know, he's going to get us to the promised land, right? We're talking about us. Congress is horizontal and vertical. And, and even just realizing like, oh, well, praise and worship. If you want, you know, church on Sunday morning, a lot of that is vertical. You're worshiping and, and talking to God. And, but in some of those quartet stuff, it's a lot more horizontal. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I wonder how many songs I would have had to listen to to kind of figure that out. And then yeah. I become with the vertical thing when they're like, no, we're more about the horizontal and that kind of stuff. So anyway, just it's code. It's, and that changes well, all the time. And by the but, way, I mean, coming from the rock world and the, the hairband world, vertical and horizontal, two completely different meetings. I know. When I said, <laughs> within the horizontal, I was like, John has got to have John has got to run with this. Yeah. I'm just going to try and get through the end of the episode. But no, it, it happened. He's going to hell today. They're right there. <laughs> so... <laughs> well, if you feel the spirit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really wound up on that right now because I saw the um the the Motley Crue oh yeah biopic on the day it came out that night I watched it I watched it twice now it's astounding That's it's funny. really good <laughs> don't watch it with your kids or with your wife Brent <laughs> there we go probably not She'd be like Who? I can promise you yeah <laughs> yeah. And uh, as we close this down, I hope not everyone can hear the mower in the background. So I apologize if you do hear that. So I, I'm going to let y'all know about, um, and somebody I've met through this kind of process for getting to know people in that world. Uh, there's a guy named Joe Dan Cornette. He's a publisher and song plugger over Daywind Music. And they're they're successful in the Southern Gospel and the Christian markets. They also have a bluegrass label there, a bluegrass publishing company. And he also has a country songwriter sign there as well. So Joe's kind of at the crossroads of a few different genres. You know, he deals in, different codes, right? Mm-hmm. So we're actually going to bring him on and, and have him uh, and have him talk to us over at, at the Freddy community. And we do this cool. event at least every quarter called Know the Row. So he's going to come in and Freddy members, it's free for Freddy members to come on, get on a video conference and at, you know I'll ask Dan some questions. Then you ask him your questions and it'll get you a chance to be with a, a real deal publisher who's getting cuts in his genre, getting cuts in Southern gospel and bluegrass and all this stuff and building the countryside of it. And so he's legit. We're going to bring him on Tuesday, uh, May the 14th. Like I said, it's free for Freddie subscribers. And also if you can't make the live event, the Freddie subscribers also have free access to the video replays of all these events we've had hit songwriters on like Jimmy Yeary who wrote I Drive Your Truck, Byron Hill who wrote everything, Full Hearted Memory and for George Strait, we've had uh, Chris Lindsay who hosts the, uh, uh, the Pitch List podcast and wrote Amazed for Lone Star and every time I hear that song for Blake Shelton. So we've had a bunch of these events. They're all in the archives over at freddie.com, F-R-E-T-T-I-E.com and listen, if you want to know the details of this event or of any other event that we have going on, best way to do that is to let me give you a gift. That's go to giftfrombrent.com and you get a copy of my free ebook. It's called Think Like a Pro Songwriter because the first step to writing and getting cuts like a pro songwriter is to think like a pro songwriter. So I have a free ebook, giftfrombrent.com. Just go there, tell me where to send it. I email it to you. It also puts you on the insiders list. So you find out about these 
these uh, events that are coming up either through Freddie or through Songwriting Pro and kind of give you first first crack at them. So I just don't want to just tell you about code breaking. I want to introduce you to a code breaker and he can answer some of those questions for you. Love it. So yeah. once again, how to get in front of the pros. Connected with the pros, baby. It's what I do. With, be connected with Songwriting Pro, Brent Baxter and Freddie. All right, guys. So that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode. Make sure you join the climb community. If you haven't done so, ask to be let in. We let everybody in who asks. Uh, lots of good stuff going on there. Lots of good support for singers, songwriters, indie artists. Uh, whatever questions you have, someone's got an answer in there. And so far, I think we're batting a thousand. Every answer has been good from, from yeah. other people. And then Brent and I will add on to it. Subscribe to the podcast so that all the episodes on Tuesday and the mini-sodes on Friday come right down into your player and, and they're, they're archived and in order so you can kind of bounce around as much as you'd like. Take five seconds, leave a five-star rating and review. It makes us look cool and it's going to give other people a, a chance to find out that we're legit and share it. Just, just if it's helping you, tell other people about it. Get other people on board. We love that. We try to give everybody a shout out who, who refers people to the climb community as much as we can. That's what it's about, right? So this podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.